Video of South African politician Julius Malema leading a stadium of nearly 100,000 supporters in a genocidal chant went viral last week, shocking many Americans. Malema led the crowd as they sang a song with the lyrics, Shoot to kill, kill the boar, kill the farmer, a reference to the white Afrikaner population of South Africa. In any other circumstance, the horrific call to violence would have generated an international outcry, but Malema chose the right target. Instead of issuing an unconditional condemnation of this dangerous rhetoric, progressive media outlets like the New York Times ran cover for Malema and his Marxist-Leninist party, the Economic Freedom Fighters, as they chanted their demands for racial violence. Say what you want about the American left, they recognize an ideological ally when they see one. American media is always scouring the country for stories of bigotry against minorities in the hopes of amplifying their divisive racial narrative. In the United States, popular opinion grants political authority, and progressives seek to generate hegemonic control over the popular consciousness by keeping the population in a constant state of woke paranoia. The Democratic voting base must be kept in a perpetual state of fear, believing that an underground network of neo-Nazis and Klan members would surge back into political power at any moment, visiting a reign of terror on all the vulnerable groups that the left pretends to champion. Republican voters must be kept in a state of constant apprehension, painfully aware that one stray look or unguarded comment at work or school could destroy the rest of their lives as the media searches for the newest villain to parade before the public during their two minutes of hate. The relentless nature of this witch hunt means that journalists have an increasingly difficult time finding any suitable villains, but the progressive media never declare victory and end the revolution. Instead, they fabricate increasingly outlandish conspiracies to perpetuate the woke jihad. Hey guys, like most of you, I have fond memories of waking up at the crack of dawn excited to watch all the Saturday morning cartoons. Mom didn't want to wake up that early on Saturday, so that meant that we got to pour a bowl of our favorite cereal for breakfast. They tasted great, but of course, they're full of sugar, and they're not that healthy, which is why it was a treat. But now Magic Spoon has an alternative to that cereal you love that has zero sugar but still tastes great. There's a bunch of different flavors, but they have a nice variety pack to get you started with cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. The variety pack has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and four to five grams of net carbs per serving. And each serving is only 140 calories. The cereal checks a lot of boxes for people because it's high protein, has zero sugar, it's keto friendly, gluten free, grain free, and soy free. You might be skeptical about sugarless high-protein cereal, but I can tell you it actually tastes great. Peanut butter was my personal favorite, but my wife and the little guy were big fans of the fruity flavor. And they both really like cereal, so it's nice to have a no-sugar, high-protein option. So go to magicspoon.com Orin to grab your variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use the promo code Orin at checkout to save $5 off your first order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of high-protein cereal at magicspoon.com Orin and use the code Orin to save $5. In the last few years, working out, drinking milk, and using the OK hand gesture have been declared the coded dog whistles of white supremacy. In a media climate where one's choice of breakfast beverage may reveal secret racial animus, surely the press would jump at the chance to decry an open declaration of hatred and violence chanted by a political leader and a stadium full of his militant supporters. 
But of course, anyone who's been paying attention knows that the left has no problem with racial hatred. In fact, they encourage it at every opportunity. For the progressive journalists, the morality of any interaction is dictated entirely by the melanin content of the groups in question. One group is the oppressor and everything they do is evil. The other group are oppressed and everything they do is justified. The murder of white farmers is a very real phenomenon, but those who dare to notice it are often smeared as racist conspiracy theorists by progressive media. In the last week of July alone, nine farm attacks and two murders were committed according to the South African Civil Rights Organization, Afroforum. After the direct call to violence by Malima and his political party, a number of residents were attacked on their farms, including 79-year-old Theo Becker, who was brutally beaten before having his throat cut. A few days later, farmer Dwayne Smith and his wife Ingrid were shot by gunmen in front of their two young children. Dwayne was killed and Ingrid is still recovering from her injuries in a local hospital. In many cases, nothing of value is taken from farm murders, indicating that these are not just robberies gone bad, but targeted acts of violence. Despite the fatal consequences of Malima's rally, the New York Times decided to defend the use of the murderous chant. Journalists at the newspaper became furious after South African-born billionaire Elon Musk stated the obvious, that these chants were calls for genocide targeting white people. The Times ran a piece characterizing Musk's concern as opportunistic and inflammatory. The author claimed that, quote, Despite the words, the song should not be taken as a literal call to violence, according to Mr. Malima and veterans and historians of the anti-apartheid struggle. It's been around for decades, one of many battle cries of the anti-apartheid movement that remain a defining feature of the country's political culture, end quote. You see, to the progressive journalists, drinking milk and working out are dangerous signals of racial hatred, but a song that openly calls for genocide is simply a quaint little ditty that shouldn't be taken too seriously. I mean, come on. In case you had any doubt about what's happening here, Malima has been asked point blank in court if he would pledge not to call for the slaughter of whites in South Africa, and he refused repeatedly to rule it out. His party, the EFF, has demanded that land be confiscated from white farmers without compensation. The politician was previously banned from singing Kill the Boar by a South African judge, an order which he promptly violated after forming the EFF. The intentions of Malima and his party are very clear, but the Times feels compelled to downplay them to its American audience. Now, this isn't the first time the paper has run cover for a violent Marxist for whom they felt sympathy. In the 1930s, New York Times reporter Walter Durante won a Pulitzer Prize for covering up the mass starvation inflicted on Ukrainians by the Soviet Union. At least 5 million people died in the Holdemor genocide, but the Times has never returned Durante's Pulitzer. For progressive journalists, the justifying narrative is simply black and white. The apartheid regime ended in 1994, but no matter how much time passes or conditions on the ground change, the dynamic of oppressor and oppressed is already set in stone. The population of South Africa is over 80% black. Afrikaners are the clear minority. And the nation's laws explicitly call for racial quotas which limit opportunities, business ownership, and even water distribution for white citizens. 
it's very tempting to simply graft America's racial politics onto other nations, but the dynamic in South Africa is complex. Many different ethnic communities and cultures exist simultaneously, and political factions don't fall strictly across racial lines. But for the New York Times, the American racial grievance lens is all that exists, and one race is the eternal oppressor. The left justifies rhetoric about abolishing whiteness in the United States by characterizing what is an obvious slogan of racial hatred as an attack on a historically oppressive system. The New York Times justifies the genocidal call of kill the boar in South Africa with the same logic. The left recognizes no radicals in its racial grievance jihad and turns a blind eye when the consequences become deadly. If reality is inconvenient to the narrative, simply discard it. You might even win a Pulitzer Prize in the process. Thanks for watching, guys. If you enjoyed this video, please go ahead and give it a like. And if you haven't subscribed yet, now is a great time to do so. If you're not getting notifications for that subscription, remember you have to hit the bell, all that stuff. Otherwise, YouTube just doesn't recommend things like it used to. If you'd like to get these broadcasts as podcasts, make sure that you subscribe to The Orrin McIntyre Show on your favorite podcast platform. And when you do that, a rating or review really helps with all the algorithm magic. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter or Gab or Substack, if you'd like to catch these episodes on Rumble or Odyssey, the links for all of that are down below in the description. And of course, you can catch everything I'm doing show-wise and column-wise over at The Blaze. Thanks for watching, guys, and as always, I'll talk to you next time.